0: Welcome to Holy Shit We're Alive. I am your host, Doug Cartwright, and every week I'll be sharing my ideas, thoughts, and insights that will inspire you to look at the world differently and possibly change some old paradigms holding you back. Hopefully by sharing my stories with you, you'll be able to step into the highest, most authentic version of yourself so you can fully maximize your life and your human experience hello friends and welcome to episode two of holy shit we're alive i'm your host doug Carwright, and i'm super excited to share this episode with you um for those that have kind of followed along with episode one the intention of this podcast is to give you insights and tools and hopefully spark some new ways of thinking so that you can also have the greatest appreciation of your life um so often than not, we're so stuck in our stories that are holding us back, and we're not even aware of them. And today I want to talk about two types of stories that we all have. Um, one is a conscious story that's holding us back. This could be, you know, for me it was I'm the fat kid, or I'm not smart enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not tall enough, I'm not pretty enough, my eyes are too close together. Um, whatever it may be, there's a story you believe about yourself that holds you back from living an incredible, beautiful life. And I want to share some examples with you guys today about my personal story of kind of uncovering my, uh, my origin story and how I healed it, and then getting into another layer of an unconscious story. So what is a conscious story and what is an unconscious story? So a conscious story is the one that you're aware of. Like you totally believe you are not good enough you're not smart enough you're not pretty enough an unconscious story is a story that's guiding your entire life and you're not even aware of it you know it reminds me of one of my favorite quotes from carl Jung, who says until you make the subconscious conscious it will guide your life and you will call it fate and this is such a true quote and a true um true expression of what he means and and i've I've seen it in my own life and the two examples i want to share with you they're pretty they're pretty deep they're pretty intimate and um getting really really vulnerable here and wanting to share these with you and hopefully to encourage you to dive into what your story is because until you find out what your story is until you're aware of it You actually don't have a choice. It'll it'll subconsciously guide your life, like Carl Jung says in that quote. And so the intention here is to hopefully you too can do the work, pull out your conscious story, pull out your subconscious story, and once you have the new ability and the new awareness around that, it gives you it frees up your whole life to make new decisions. And what I mean by that it's it's pretty simple. So my my story is a little bit different um, in the sense that I lived with it for so long and was aware of it so my story was always I was the fat kid and and the thought pattern behind that was okay I'm the fat kid what that means is then something is wrong with me you can physically see that I'm damaged or I'm I'm not right and something's wrong and so because of that I am not worthy of love or validation or success and um until my, you know, mid to late twenties, that story of being the fat kid really ran my whole life. And literally when I would meet new people, even in, you know, after I had seen some success in business career, I immediately felt like I had to prove to them why I was worthy of love and validation and success. Because, you know, as soon as you meet me, the first thing you're going to see is you're going to see my, you know, fat body or whatever and see that I'm overweight And I can't hide that. And I know that for some people that story is different because it might be an intellect thing um, that they can try and cover up. But for me, I knew, especially when I would meet new people, it was like, oh my gosh, I have to show them that I'm really smart or that I'm really successful or tell them um, something else to kind of earn their validation. And I didn't realize at the time, but my whole life, I was just running around um, trying to earn other people's validation. And... So if you're kind of sitting here thinking, you know, what's my story, you know, the way to figure out your story is to ask yourself, what are you so ashamed of? Or what would you be terrified if the world finally found out about you? if the world finally found out that you aren't as smart as people think you are, as you're or you are the fat kid, or you aren't as skinny as you think as you portray you are, or your eyes are too close together, or you're, you know, it could be the weird, your teeth are the wrong color and it. And really what it all stems back to is when you really, really pull it back, it goes back to, I'm not enough. And so how these stories play out, it's really crazy. So, Pinpoint your story, you know, and then you ask yourself, where did you learn that? Where did you actually learn that something was quote unquote wrong with you? Or where did you first believe that someone was wrong with you? And for me, my story actually started in second grade. So I think back to the earliest memory I have of someone putting a label on me or some or realizing I was a facid in second grade. And for those that who have followed me around along on other social platforms, Um, You may be familiar with this story, but uh, in second grade, I was wearing a specific brand of basketball shorts at recess, and on the front left pocket, there was a, it said the size of the shorts I wore. I think there was like a Wilson brand or whatnot, and on the front left corner, I was wearing a size extra large, and I was a second grade, a youth XL, and I remember one day out on the recess, we were goofing around, and there was an older kid. Um, I think his name was Philip, but I, I don't remember exactly. I know what he looked like, but he was this really, really little scrawny kid. And he was wearing the exact same brand of shorts that day. And his said medium. So this kid was a couple of grades older than me. And in an elementary school, that's the biggest deal ever. You know, if someone's a couple of grades older than you, it means they're so much more wise and smarter and whatnot. And he pointed it out and he said, hey, You know, you're only in second grade and you were in an extra large, you're just a fatty. And I remember in that moment, it's crazy how you can remember these emotions for so from so long ago, but I remember in that moment feeling like defeated, completely defeated and confused and realizing like, whoa, like is something wrong with me? And I didn't really know how to react at the time, but I took on his label like I took on his label that I was the fat kid and something was wrong with me. And what's crazy about the stories that you take upon yourself is subconsciously you then go out into the world and confirm that story. So what comes next, you know, a year later, I played little league football growing up. I was a big football fan. And if you're over a certain weight limit in little league, those that play little league know this, but they slap a big X on your head x on your helmet meaning you're a alignment so now i'm the fat kid and now i get labeled as the fat kid again by getting an x on my helmet and i keep living out that story you know i'm the fat kid something's wrong with me and then i play into fat kid roles so for example you know i remember going to a birthday party in elementary school and there was and it was a pizza party and i'm the fat kid so what's my role in that situation eat as many slices of pizza as you can and i would play out that story and i ate really really unhealthy and then people would like laugh and joke and be like oh my gosh how many slices of pizza you out and then i'm getting validation by playing into my role and so i was like you know how much ice cream can i eat and every time i go out i'm the fat kid so i get you know i can eat whatever i want and i just played into this story so much and it led to really really unhealthy habits and so i remember really really struggling with my weight into junior high and into high school and i remember you know, being overweight in junior high. And that's kind of like the point in your life where you start getting attention from girls and people are start becoming popular. And um a lot of the the clicks kind of start to fall together of who's cool and who's popular and whatnot. And I remember there was a pool party and in the summer. And I remember going up to one of my friends at this pool party and being like, I am so, so ashamed. Like the thought of taking off my shirt in front of girls was like the most horrific, scariest thing you could ever, ever put on me. And I remember going to this pool party and telling one of my best friends at the time, like, hey, I'm going to walk next to the pool with my shirt on. And will you like shove me in as a joke so it looks like I got pushed in the pool with my shirt on so I don't look like an idiot because I'm the fat kid swimming with his shirt on. And I remember just being so sad all the time, and literally I fully believed that I was unworthy of love and that I wasn't valuable because of my weight and um that story it continued to play out and I can name countless other experiences where we're just feeling so ashamed and I remember there was you know nights at home you know everyone has kind of go through those dramatic junior high years and I remember multiple times thinking you know I just was skinny or had a flat chest or stomach that that would be like all of my problems would disappear like if only like i remember seeing skinny fit kids being able to take their shirt off and go skateboarding you know as you get into later junior highs and i remember thinking just seeing them and being like wow like what would that be like they must have all their problems disappeared you know because you don't realize that other people have their stories too it's different and I had no clue what those other kids were going through, but we all know that those kids weren't just living the life of their dreams. But in my head, it was, you know, if only I could be skinny and fit and girls would think I was attractive, that all of my problems would be gone. And that story continued in into junior high and then, you know, into high school. And the way I, I found how to overcompensate that was by being the nice kid. And so, I made a lot of friends it was great i knew that i didn't provide any value physically so i had to overcompensate and i became the nice kid and so i made friends with a lot of people and would always say hello and got validated for being cool and by being nice and that you know it did serve me in some aspects and you know where it really really shined and triggered my story projection was after my years of vivant you know in the actually in the actually in the middle of my, of my, uh, success at Vivin And for those that don't know me, um, my, my background was I was in door to door sales for a long time and saw a lot of success really, really quickly. I had accumulated over a million dollars by the time I was 24, um, on sales commissions and, you know, growing up my whole life, realizing subconsciously that I was unworthy of love and, and that I would, didn't did I wasn't worthy of having, you know, a pretty girlfriend or whatnot. So the moment I start to make money in my life, what do you think I did? It was obviously like, I'm going to prove to you and show girls why I'm valuable. And I literally would go on these extravagant, insane first dates and like, crazy stuff like meet a girl down in Provo and we're going to Ruth's Chris for dinner a couple hundred bucks for dinner I'm buying floor seats to the jazz game and I'm picking you up in my new Mercedes and all I'm really doing in this time and this is the first day and I'm, a lot of times I wouldn't see these girls again all I'm doing in these situations I'm just screaming for someone to love me I'm just screaming for validation I'm screaming just please like love me. I'm just seeking love. And that story continued for a really long time afterwards. And I think about my one of my last relationships with my ex-girlfriend's name Erin. She's, you know, this beautiful fit fitness star. And I tried so hard to force that relationship to work. And it was funny because she showed interest in me because I treated her really well and I spent a lot of money on her. Really, I'm just trying to earn her love. And subconsciously, I didn't realize at the time it was the only reason, not the only reason, but a main reason of me, me forcing that relationship so much was in my head. Subconsciously, the story was if this beautiful blonde fitness model is attracted to me, then the rest of the world, then it shows the rest of the world that I'm valuable. Then the rest of the world will know that I'm actually really okay. Like if this beautiful person approves of me, then everyone else should approve of me too. And I spent my whole life trying to gain that validation. And that was really, really shown to me um, the first time I ever did an ayahuasca ceremony. And the beautiful results of plant medicine just really took me through this journey of showing me that, you know, because you believed you're unlovable, this is how you forced and fought and struggled your whole life to gain validation from the outside world and really taught me how to, how to love myself internally and the tools and techniques of not seeking external validation and, and trying to heal that conscious story. Um, and so for those listening, I really encourage you and challenge you to figure out what your story is. And like I was saying earlier, the way you discover that story is to ask yourself, what would you be so ashamed of or, or so terrified if the world found out about you? you know, whether you have a substance abuse issue or a physical appearance issues or cognitive issues, whether you don't think you're smart enough or tall enough or capable, or you think you're an imposter at work or whatnot, whatever it may be. And then once you decide, figure out what your story is, the next piece I love asking and really diving into on these conversations with people is asking, where did you learn that? And think of the earliest memory you have of where you took on that label and took on that story. And initially at your first, you kind of have a memory that comes to mind and you're not really sure. If there's an early memory that comes to mind, that's exactly where you learned it. There's a reason, you know, think of all the memories and all the experiences you've had in your life. There's been billions of experiences. There's a reason specific memories hold on to us. And it's because that's where our mind started to shift. So Go back to that situation, that first situation where you believe something was wrong with you and when you took on that label. And then I love this part where you actually, you know, it's a thought experiment is you actually pull yourself, you know, relive that situation and pull yourself out of the situation and look at it from a bird's eye view. And you ask yourself, you know, is it possible you're missing information here, right? So where were you? Who was there? What was going on? And... 99% of the time I do this with people is the person who put that label on you is majority of the time projecting their own insecurities. And so ask yourself, the person that gave you this label or the situation where you took on this label, what may have the other party been thinking? What What may they have been going through, right? And how did they possibly project onto you? And so when I do this with my own story at recess, you know, it's possible that this kid, he was really scrawny and small for his age. So he probably felt really insecure for being small and weak. And so the way he he overcompensated for his story is he projected his insecurity on me and it probably made him feel strong and powerful by me putting me down. A big kid, by putting a big kid down, it probably made him feel more superior. So really, when I look back at this memory now, it's really beautiful because it's like, wow, that Time where I took on that label, it had absolutely nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with this kid's own insecurity. And once you can see these new perspectives, it gives you the opportunity to release that story, you know, back into the universe and, and give it back because it's not you, it wasn't your ever your story or your label to take. And this is where you start to really dig into your stories because, like I said, we all have a conscious story but where the real beautiful like life changing level up experiences when you get into a subconscious story and what i mean by a subconscious story is a story that's guiding your life that you're not even aware of and the prime example for me is the aftermath and the residue of being sexually abused as a kid so um the story goes as this and and i'm i'm kind of a little nervous to share the story cuz it's so vulnerable but um I feel like it's really important to share this message because I know the profound effects of once you heal your story, how beautiful your life can be. It really can be one of those like, holy shit, I'm alive moments. And you're so excited and full of life because you can peel back these layers that are holding you back. But anyways, um, the way this story breaks down is when I was six years old, I had a friend that lived in my neighborhood. Um, and he happened to be eight at the time. He was two years older than me. And, we would go over to his house and we'd play basketball and play, you know, GI Joes and watch movies and play Super Nintendo and do all that stuff. And there was a couple of times where we were alone in his basement and he would ask me to take off my clothes and he would then proceed to touch me inappropriately. And I was so confused when this was going on. I didn't understand it. I mean, I was six years old and he didn't really understand it either. He was eight. I mean, it was, none of this was malicious. Um, it wasn't like, you know, an older person was doing this. And, and those that I, and what's crazy is I do know a lot of people have had that. And that's, it's really painful, but you know, this kid was my best friend and he would manipulate me into doing these things and just being curious and and would inappropriately touch me. And it didn't happen that often. Um, but that did happen more than once. And, um, I remember being really confused and not understanding what was going on but i knew that it was bad like i knew what we were doing was a bad thing to do and so i thought i would get into trouble if i told you know my mom or my dad at the time and so i never told anyone and i remember feeling really violated and scared and confused but i remember just like taking that experience like shoving it deep deep down into the closet and thinking like, wow, I'm never going to revisit that again. That's, you know, we're going to forget about that. We're going to suppress it. And we're never going to talk about it again. So life goes on. They and that kid ended up moving out of my neighborhood. I'm um, still in the area, but just not on my street. And we went to the same junior high. And crazy enough, when he was 16 and I was 14, he got in a tragic car accident and he actually passed away. And... It was devastating for the community. And I remember when I first heard the news that my childhood best friend got in a car accident and passed away, my initial response was relief. I was like, okay, phew. Now, no one will ever know my secret. Like, it's for sure locked. Put that key away. We're never revisiting. No one will ever know. We're going to put that And bury that, and no one will ever know, and that thing's gone. And that was my initial reaction was this this sense of relief of like this big, deep, dark secret is never going to get released. And so time went on, and as I got into junior high and high school and into college, I had a tendency to always become friends with girls, like literally just having platonic girlfriends. And every now and then I would have people – always ask me like why do you make why do you have so many girlfriends and you know it was kind of a curious thought I'm like hmm I guess I, I don't understand and um, I have a twin sister and so my initial kind of cognitive response was okay well I I have a twin sister so I grew up with a girl around me all the time and grew up around feminine energy because I have a lot of sis- other other sisters and so there's just a lot of girls in my house so I'm pretty natural and comfortable around women and that was kind of just my response for a couple years and then Thank you, plant medicine, again. This is the power of, of plant medicine done in the right set and the right setting with uh, proper facilitators. It's really important to have proper facilitators and working with this these powerful medicines. So, so I had an ayahuasca ceremony. Um, this was in March 2018, this ceremony. And you drink the, I'm uh, at the ceremony, and you drink the psychedelic tea of ayahuasca. And, you know, minutes in these memories of being at my, my childhood friend's basement started coming to my head and I remember my first thought was like oh this is really weird I haven't thought of this in a long time why is this popping into my head like push that memory down push that memory down why is this and then I was like oh wait this is what plant medicine's for is that it brings out this stuff so you can heal them so I completely surrendered to the experience at this time and it was taking me through these really vivid memories like specific toys that I used to play with in his house and I'm like wow you know I felt like I was there and I could totally see his whole basement and it really as they're really you know up until that point they were happy childhood memories and you no know, no then and then it goes to the I replayed these situations you know where I was abused and they're really painful to watch and I remember reliving them and it was really uncomfortable and anyone who's done plant medicine um under knows exactly what I'm talking about just the how uncomfortable it gets and it can be confusing and whatnot. And so I'm kind of, you know, in a difficult experience. Um, And then I asked, you know, the medicine, like, why did this happen? Like, what, what is this showing me? You know, what am I to take from this? And it showed me that deep in my subconscious, my subconscious story was that men aren't safe, especially guy friends, I mean, I had made guy friends in my life, but it was really, really difficult for me. And I usually met new guy friends through other friends. It was very rarely I met them on my own. And it showed me that my subconscious story was that men aren't safe. And that when I did meet new guy friends at a party or at a social gathering, I had really, really high walls up. Because my story is, oh my gosh, I don't want to become best friends with someone and then get taken advantage of and get abused. And that story literally guided my life for 30 years. And working with the plant medicine, it showed me that actually men aren't unsafe. Men are actually cool. It's cool to have guy friends. They're not going to abuse you. And you can make amazing relationships. And once you can you know, take down your walls and heal from this, there's so many new connections and friendships await for you. and knew this was, this realization was one of the most profound realizations like, holy shit, I'm alive and I can make new friends and it's safe. And that was one of the most beautiful, you know, releases of my life. And that's the power of our subconscious stories that both of these stories literally guided my life, you know, into my late twenties, until I started doing personal work and working with plant medicine. And, there's so much power in revisiting these really traumatic episodes in your life, and there's really a lot of power of being conscious and deciding to do the work for yourself and Now you know as after I look back at that moment, some of the closest people in my life are new guy friends that I've happened to meet, and now that when I relive these situations and I meet new guy friends, I can see exactly what I used to do. I used to be so turned off and so closed off and, and had walls up. And I would always make a comment, you know, if I met a new, a new, a new dude of like, Hey, like I'm dating. Like I would make a comment about like, Hey, are you dating one? I'm dating these pretty girls, yada, yada, yada. And literally what I was saying is like, Hey, don't try and come on to me, which is so crazy to think about. And the lengths that we go to protect ourselves and to protect our story are really really insane and you don't realize it when you're in the moment because you're so hooked on this story and so i encourage anyone listening to do the story work you know and we all have multiple stories and i know that i still have stories that i buy into and i still know that i still have stories that i need to do heal on but go one at a time you know, start with the biggest one. What's the big story that you're living, right? Is it that you're not capable of making money? You're not capable of making new friends. You can never start a business. You can't lose weight. You know, there's so many things. You're not pretty enough. You're not attractive enough. Whatever it may be, stop living your story. Do the work on it. Ask yourself where you learned it and realize that almost every single time that that you, when you took on that label had absolutely nothing to do with you. And I'm just so excited to be sharing these shorter podcasts with you. Um, I want to know the effects of this. And actually, we'll share this story before I wrap up. Just recently, this is the power of of unwinding your story. Just recently, I had the awesome opportunity to speak at an event, an in-person event, which is crazy given the circumstances. Um, And so I had a room, and I kind of was talking about the power of your stories, and I was talking about... You know, the story, basically the story I just told you about being the fat kid. And there was a gentleman in the front of where we were sitting. And when I was going through this, you know, how to diagnose your story, he just started sobbing. Um, And it kind of threw me off for a little bit, but I kind of, st- I was able to stay on my speech. And afterwards I get an uh, Instagram message from him. And he literally just said, your one hour session was the most profound and inspirational and life transformative hour of my entire life. And he went on to go on in this message and say, I've always thought I was really, really ugly growing up. And because I was ugly, I wasn't valuable. And so my whole life, I've always tried to date the prettiest, prettiest girl I could possibly find to show the world that I was valuable. And I always buy really, really expensive clothes and nice designer clothes to overcompensate for my ugly body. And this dude is, by the way, this dude is not ugly by any means. He's just a very, you know, he's a normal fit human being. He was not ugly by any means. And, but he believed that he was and it guided his whole life and it caused depression and sadness and overcompensation that he didn't feel like he was enough. And now he's doing the work and he's working with me one-on-one in my coaching program and his whole life's about to change as he no longer is running around the world seeking validation, seeking people to support him because he's getting that from within. And that's the power of this is once you can really heal your stories, you no longer need external validation because you have all the validation from within. And when you have validation from within, it gives you permission to express yourself in your truest, most authentic way because you're doing it for you and your happiness isn't dependent upon other people's opinions And if you can get to that place, it's literally like you've been carrying a ball and chain around your whole life and you're just used to it. And someone's able to cut it off and you're like, whoa, this is what it feels like to walk and run and jump. didn't even know it was possible. It's literally like a holy shit, I'm alive moment. And so I encourage you to do your work on your story. If you have questions about this or how to diagnose your story or wanna just share some insight, I would love to hear from you guys. Um, my Instagram is at Doug underscore Carwright. I I answer every single DM. Um, and those that want to take this the next step, I highly encourage people to download my app, The Daily Shifts, in the Apple App Store. It is a habit tracking, goal setting, meditation, mindfulness app that is absolutely transformative. I have incredible reviews online. I'm really excited to share this stuff with you guys, and I'm really excited to continue to share these podcasts with you. And I want to hear from you, so please. Send me a DM and let's go from there. Much love and we will all chat soon.